in the word.
Yeah.
Father, I thank you, Lord Jesus, just for that truth, God. God, that you know our names, Lord. Thank you, Father, that your great love endures forever. Thank you, Father, that no weapon forged against us shall prosper. And I thank you, Father, that greater is he that is in us than he that is in this world. Thank you, Father, that you are our rear guard. That you are our defender and our fortress and our mighty tower. I thank you, Father, that you've given us the weapons of our warfare to demolish strongholds. I thank you, Father, that it's your truth that sets us free. I thank you, Father, that nothing and no one can snatch us out of your hands or your love. So, Father, we thank you. We praise you. Father, we acknowledge you, Lord, over our lives. As we come today to open up your word, Father, I pray that our hearts, O Lord, would be of good soil. That your word would take root and produce lasting fruit in our lives. God, that it would not get choked out or snatched out from the evil one. pray, God, that you would give us even a greater level of a hunger and a thirst for righteousness. God, that we would seek you with our whole hearts, knowing that we shall find you, Lord. I pray, God, that we would not have a divided heart, but I pray, Lord, that we will love you with our whole heart. And that collectively we would cry out, Come, Lord Jesus, have your way among us, within us, and through us, Lord. Your kingdom would advance. Captives would be set free. And darkness would be pushed back. Your light would shine forth for all to see, we pray. Jesus' name. Amen. Galatians chapter 6, verse 7. Don't be misled. You cannot mock the justice of God. You will harvest what you plant. And as I've been asking us each week, how are you living? How are you living? What are you noticing that you're harvesting? Is it of righteousness or is it of wickedness? Your choice each day. Life or death, it is set before us. Are you choosing life? In the day and age in which we are living, we are recognizing that it is getting darker. And I keep encouraging us, as I have been through the years, that we should be growing brighter. Are you growing brighter? The world in itself, each and every single day, is something new. 
But we must remember that darkness cannot extinguish the light. No matter how hard it's trying to. No matter what we see, we cannot grow weary. We cannot get discouraged. We must press in. We must press on. Are you pressing in? Are you pressing on into the things of God? And as we talked about last week, I've been kind of meditating on and just kind of praying for myself and praying for us and praying collectively for the church at large throughout the earth that we would be the bride of Christ. That we would not grow weary in doing good, but that we would reap a harvest if we faint not. Last week, as we were looking at the Scriptures in Deuteronomy, the Lord was telling through Moses, His people, worship Me and Me alone. Especially at the place in which I tell you to worship Me. Because He didn't want, it, he didn't want them to make it about them. It was to be about Him. It is always to be about Him. And I was challenging us last week. Is it about Him? Not just on Sunday, but every day. Is your worship, is your devotion, is it about Him? Or is it about you? Because it's not to be about you. It's all about Him. Do you come with a sincere heart into His presence? Or are you just striving, working, working and working and working to maintain a relationship with God? You see, that's religion and that gets you nowhere. But are you in a relationship with the living God through Jesus Christ? Because that's where freedom is found. No longer bound by sin, bound to the religious law, but now bound to Christ, set free, empowered by the Holy Spirit to live a God-fearing life in the midst of a wicked and perverse generation. I don't know about you, but the generation is growing more and more wicked. Have you noticed? And so it's not time for the church just to sit idly by especially when our nation is in the middle of a revolution. A Marxist, socialist, communist revolution that is godless. Our nation is being shaken at its core. And what is the church doing? What are you doing? Are you being diligent in this hour to seek God? Are you preaching the gospel? Are you encouraging others? Oh, how I hope you are. And that you're not just going along with the masses. Or that you're just not sitting idly by, hoping it all just passes by and goes away. No, I hope to God that you are seeking God. For direction and when given the opportunity that you are speaking truth upholding righteousness the enemy has come in like a flood righteousness is to be lifted up 
It's getting chaotic. From city to city to city, we see the chaos. Churches are being told that they cannot gather in their buildings. And in California, they can't even gather in their homes. In Nevada, or I believe it's Nevada, churches cannot even gather, but yet they're opening up the casinos. The Christian faith is trying to be pushed down, silenced, But oh, the bride of Christ, how I pray that she would rise up with boldness and speak and declare the gospel of Jesus Christ. For it's only the gospel of Jesus Christ that can save sinners. We know that in the end times, that the love of many is growing to grow cold. We know that the enemy is going to pour out his wrath, seeking whom he may devour, because he knows his time is near. So it's not time for the church, it's not time for you to be quaking in your boots. No, it's time to strap them up, gird yourself up, and stand and burn bright in the mist of this wicked and perverse generation as now we're even seeing that pedophilia is on the rise. We see our media, our national media, our local media filling our hearts and our minds with lies and deception. Deception is running amok. People are so deceived but yet they're buying into it. Marching for it. And we need to be diligent as the church to stand up and to uphold truth. Lest we are swept away with them. Come on, you all. What are you har what are you planting? Because that's what you're harvesting. How are you living your life? Have you made your Christian life just about you? When you want to show up for church, when you want to turn on Facebook Live, when you want to give to the offering, when you want to have time for prayer, when you want to do this and when you want to do that, is it just about you? Because if that's what it is, you're not a Christian. You have a form of religion. But you are denying the power of God. And the enemy is working overtime in the church to deceive those who are sitting in church believing that they are saved and yet they're lost. Because all they have is a form of religion, not a transformed heart. Not a transformed life. They haven't been born again. And Jesus says that's the only way and to the kingdom of God is to be born again. I want you to go to 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 1 through 26. Then we're going to read chapter 3, verse 1 through 17. 
and chapter 4, verse 1 through 8. We have read these verses before, but I want to get them again back before you. My hopes and my prayers is that we would go and pray and meditate upon the Word of God and to seek God and ask Him for direction and how we are to be living in this time, in this generation. Because as I've been encouraging us, you were meant for today. You were created for such a time as this. In the midst of this chaotic time, God purposed you. God purposed me. Are you living on purpose? Are you living on purpose? In these scriptures, we will see that we are called to be a good soldier of Christ Jesus. We are called to be an approved worker. We're called to understand the dangers in the last days. And we're called to hear Paul's charge, not only to Timothy, but his charge to us. You will harvest what you plant. Paul's words, Timothy, my dear son, be strong through the grace that God gives you in Christ Jesus. Listen to just the opening. Put your name there. Rob, my dear son, Be strong through the grace that God gives you in Christ Jesus. Not by your own might, not by your power, but by His and through Him, you all. Are you seeking Him daily, moment by moment, hour by hour? He goes on, You have heard me teach things that have been confirmed by many reliable witnesses. So now teach these truths to other trustworthy people who will be able to pass them on to others. Highlight that. Circle that. Understand that's what you're supposed to be doing. As you hear, as you learn, as you receive truth, pass it on to others. The kingdom of God is to be advancing. We don't hide it. We don't keep it for ourselves. We don't excuse it and say, well, it's for me, not for them. No, it's for all to hear and to be given the opportunity to receive. He goes on and says, endure suffering along with me as a good soldier of Christ Jesus. Soldiers don't get tied up in the affairs of civilian life. For then they cannot please the officer who enlisted them. An athlete cannot win the prize unless they follow the rules. And hardworking farmers should be the first to enjoy the fruit of their labor. Think about what I am saying. The Lord will help you understand all these things. Always remember that Jesus Christ, a descendant of King David, was raised from the dead. This is the good news I preach. Highlight that. Circle that. What is our message? It's just not the cross. No, He was raised from the dead. 
This is the good news. If our message, the Bible says, was just the cross, we would be fools. But the good news is, is that not only did Jesus go to the cross, not only did he take upon what we deserved, not only was he buried for three days, but he rose on the third day, defeating sin and death. He is victorious. This is the good news. This is the hope that we have as believers. We know that all men and all women, everyone who has been born, has been born with a sinful, rebellious nature. At that time, we are children of the devil. But God was pleased to reveal, and He is pleased to reveal Himself to us through His Son Jesus, that we would be reconciled back to God. That He loved us, yet though we were sinners, that we were in complete rebellion towards Him, He came to redeem us. He's not expecting us to be perfect but he is expecting us to mature, to come to him in all humility, recognize that we are sinners, recognize that we are in rebellion towards him, and receive the good news of the risen Christ to redeem us, to save us, to make us whole. Not by our works, but by what he accomplished for us. Such great love. That we wouldn't remain a rebellious people because as we receive the good news, we are born again of a new nature. The old has passed away. Behold, all things are made new. Are you living a new life? Or do you just have Jesus' name stamped to your forehead because that's what you did? (laughs) And there's nothing in your life that even shows that you love Him. God help us. We must always remember that Jesus Christ, a descendant of King David, was raised from the dead. This is the good news I preach. And because I preach this good news, I am suffering and I have been chained like a criminal. But the Word of God cannot be chained. Highlight that. Circle that. In a day and age when Christianity is being mocked, when persecution of Christians is at the highest level it's ever been and it will continue, when the church and Christians and the Western Hemisphere are going to continue to be pushed back and pushed down, when you are in the middle of a Marxist, communist revolution, They always try to silence the church because they are a godless group of people. We better wake up. We better wake up and see what's happening in our nation. But the good news is is that the word of God cannot be chained. 
So I am willing to endure anything if it will bring salvation and eternal glory in Christ Jesus to those God has chosen. Have you come to that understanding for yourself? Have you come to that place in your time of prayer and in your time of seeking God and understanding that you were created for this generation, for this chaotic moment in time, you were created? Have you came to an understanding that you can say with confidence that I am willing to endure anything if it will bring salvation and eternal glory in Christ to those who God has chosen. And if you're not there, then get on your face and seek God. Oh, we got to wake up, church. We've got to wake up. We're spending too much time with everything else and anyone else. And we're neglecting our time with Jesus. This is a trustworthy saying. If we die with Him, we will also live with Him. If we endure hardship, we will reign with Him. If we deny Him, He will deny us. If we are unfaithful, He remains faithful. For He cannot deny who He is. Remind everyone about these things and command them in God's presence to stop fighting over words. Such arguments are useless and they can ruin those who hear them. Work hard so you can present yourself to God and receive His approval. Be a good worker, one who does not need to be ashamed and who correctly explains the word of truth. Avoid worthless, foolish talk that only leads to more godless behavior. This kind of talk spreads like cancer. As in the case of these two guys, <laughs> they left the path of truth claiming that the resurrection of the dead has already occurred. In this way, they have turned some people away from the faith. But God's truth stands firm like a foundation stone with this inscription. The Lord knows those who are His. And all who belong to the Lord must turn away from evil. Highlight that. Circle that. Get that scripture before you this week. The Lord knows who are His. And all who belong to the Lord must turn away from evil. From evil. Oh, how we've got to understand that we are to live clean lives. That we are to walk upright. That it's not by our own doing, but it's by Christ in us and through us. We are to walk in the Spirit so that we will not gratify the desires of the flesh. We're to live lives that honor God, not lives that grieve the Holy Spirit. We are to have nothing to do with evil. We are to turn from it. We're not to start agreeing with it and adopting its customs in our churches. No, we are to expose the fruitless deeds of darkness. He goes on, in a wealthy home, some utensils are made of gold and silver and some are made of wood and clay. 
the expensive utensils are used for special occasions and the cheap ones are for everyday use. If you keep yourself pure, you will be a special utensil for honorable use. Your life will be clean and you will be ready for the master to use you for every good work. Run from anything that stimulates youthful lust. Instead, pursue righteous living, faithfulness, love, and peace. Enjoy the companionship of those who call on the Lord with pure hearts. Look at that. Highlight that. Circle that. Get these scriptures before you and within you. If you keep yourself pure, verse 21, you will be a special utensil for honorable use. Your life will be clean and you will be ready for the master to use you for every good work. So run from anything that stimulates youthful lust. Instead, pursue righteous living, faithfulness, love, and peace. Enjoy the companionship of those who call on the Lord with pure hearts. Oh, church, we've got to wake up. We've got to wake up when the desires come. When temptation gets to calling you. What are you doing? When you're being bombarded in your mind and in your heart to turn from God and to go your way, what are you doing? Oh, how I pray you're running from it. Oh, how I pray you're just not giving in to it. Oh, how I pray you're not on the vicious cycle of condemnation and shame and guilt and staying stuck just looking at your failure, looking at you, your wants, your desires, allowing them to define you instead of you allowing Christ to remind you of who He is and who you are in Him. That you will throw off the sin that so easily entangles you and that you would run the race. Listen. we got to wake up. If you are struggling with sin in your life, expose it. Mature and grow. For so long, people have just sat in church trying to be good. Oh yes, I'm fine. And a lot of them just don't even sit in church. A lot of them leave the church. And they just give in to depravity. They give in to whatever they want. And a lot of them may even be sitting in church just living however they want and no one is saying anything, holding them accountable. Oh, we got to stop playing with perversion. We got to stop playing with lust and with greed and with gossip and slander and every other form of sin that would love to take hold and take root. No, we need to again drag it out into the light, expose it, be healed, get up from it, and move forward. There's nothing that you all could be battling with or going through or hiding that God can't deliver you and free you. Verse 23, again, I say, don't get involved in foolish 
arrogant arguments, ignorant arguments that only start fights. A servant of the Lord must not quarrel, but must be kind to everyone, be able to teach, and be patient with difficult people. Gently instruct those who oppose the truth. Perhaps God will change those people's hearts, and they will learn the truth. Then they will come to their senses and escape from the devil's trap, for they have been held captive by him to do whatever he wants. Oh, do you see these scriptures? Can you circle them? Can you highlight them? Can you pray for those that are lost? These scriptures over their lives. Look at what the Word of God is telling us. We can't get sidetracked. No, we've got to remain on purpose. For we are the servant of the Lord. You are called. I am called. We all have been given the same ministry of reconciliation. I keep telling you, don't leave it up to pastors. Don't leave it up to evangelists. Don't leave it up to who you think is a super saint. (laughs) No, God has purposed you. God has called you. You need to open up your mouth. You need to get rooted. You need to get grounded. You need to grow up. And then you should be able to gently instruct those who oppose the truth. And then perhaps God will change these people's hearts, these people's hearts, and they will learn the truth. Oh God, that you would change their hearts. God, that they will learn the truth. That they would come to their senses and escape from the devil's trap. Oh, are you praying for people? <laughs> the enemy is holding, holding the captives back and holding them down, oppressing them. But if you're in Christ, you've been liberated. You're not oppressed any longer. <laughs> you're not a captive any longer. No, go forth and declare freedom, you all. You should know this, Timothy, that in the last days there will be very difficult times for people will love only themselves and their money. They will be boastful and proud, scoffing at God, disobedient to their parents, and ungrateful. They will consider nothing sacred. Look what they're doing to churches in America. Look how they're tearing them down, trying to burn them down. Nothing is sacred right now in our nation. They will be unloving and unforgiving. They will slander others and have no self-control. For God's sakes, did you see the man and his daughter get beaten up in that deli in New York by the mob? I mean, come on. Did you see the woman holding her child as they drove by and shot her in Chicago? Are you seeing the senselessness of of just the chaotic craziness that the media keeps calling protesting? When it's not protesting, they are riots. And it's coming to a city near you. They will slander others and have no self-control. They will be cruel and hate what is good. They will betray their friends, be reckless, be puffed up with pride and love pleasure rather than God. 
They will act religious, but they will reject the power that could make them godly. Stay away from people like that. We have been warned over and over and over. You see, they are the kind who work their way into people's homes and win the confidence of vulnerable women who are burdened with the guilt of sin and controlled by various desires. Such women are forever following new teachings, but they are never able to understand the truth. These teachers oppose the truth just as Janus and Jonas opposed Moses. They have depraved minds and a counterfeit faith. But they won't get away with this for long. Someday everyone will recognize them. I'm sorry, recognize what fools they are. Just as with Janus and Jonas. Did you hear that? These women... And you could just put men and women in our days. They're following all these new teachings that are coming up on the scene. And yet they're never able to understand truth. They're chasing after the next new fad in the Christian community. Going from one place to another to another. From one Christian site to another Christian site to another Christian site. Always going and going and going and never, never, never knowing truth. They have a depraved mind and they have a counterfeit faith. Oh, God, help us. But you, Timothy, certainly know what I teach and how I live and what my purpose in life is. You know my faith, my patience, my love, and my endurance. You know how much persecution and suffering I have endured. You know all about how I was persecuted But the Lord rescued me from all of it. Yes, and everyone who wants to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution. Oh, highlight that. Circle that. Write that out. Put it on your mirror. Understand, everyone who wants to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution. You will are the enemy of the world. The world is not going to accept you. The world is not going to allow you just to do what you want to do. No, the world is going to try to stuff you out, to silence you, to kill you. Remember, I keep telling us, we wake up behind enemy lines. Are we getting that? Are you prepared each day to know that? And remember, our fight is not with flesh and blood. We don't hate the lost. We don't hate the religious. We're not better than them. No, we're actually called to serve them. There is a way in which we as Christians are to live in this world. But yet know that as we are living in this world, we will suffer. We will be persecuted. All of hell is against us. But again, that is not to intimidate us. That is not to drive us back into a corner. 
No, that calls us to get up and move forward to advance the kingdom of God. To see the captives set free. Are you living on purpose? But evil people, verse 13, and imposters will flourish. They will deceive others and will themselves be deceived. But you must remain faithful to the things you have been taught. You know they are true, for you know you can trust those who taught you. You have been taught the Holy Scriptures from childhood, and they have given you the wisdom to receive the salvation that comes by trusting in Christ Jesus. All Scripture is inspired by God and is useful to teach us what is true and to make us realize what is wrong in our lives. It corrects us when we are wrong and teaches us to do what is right. God uses it to prepare and equip His people to do every good work. What does God use to equip us? His Word. The living Word. You will be able to distinguish what is right and what is wrong. (laughs) See, we are without excuse, you all. The Bible is very clear. He's given us everything we need to live a godly life. And oh, how I pray that we are excited to be engrafted into the kingdom of God. To know that you are called of God. That you are a child of God. That His power is within you. That you have the Holy Spirit within you. That you're not trying to live it out in your own flesh. No. But that you're walking humbly submitted to Christ. And it's not burdensome as we've been talking about. The Christian life is not a burdensome life. It's a life filled. It's a full life of goodness, of joy. Even in the midst of persecution. Even in the midst of persecution, we have joy. We have peace. We have patience. We have kindness. We have gentleness. We can be long-suffering. I mean, come on. Love and joy and peace and all the fruit of the Spirit. Are you growing? Are you maturing? I solemnly, ur- I solemnly urge you in the presence of God and Christ Jesus, chapter 4, verse 1, who will someday judge the living and the dead when He comes to set up His kingdom. Preach the Word of God. Be prepared whether the time is favorable or not. Patiently correct, rebuke, and encourage your people with good teaching. For a time is coming when people will no longer listen to sound and wholesome teaching. They will follow their own desires and will look for teachers who will tell them whatever their itching ears want to hear. They will reject the truth and chase after myths. And these aren't just the people in the world. No, these are the people in the church. And there was this video I looked at this morning. 
And it's very demonic what's happening. It's all just out in the open. Listen, hell is running amok. Hell is not staying hidden. People's perversion, people's perverted worship, just everything about hell is out loud and proud. And you have these Black Lives members all doing this yoga and these rituals on these streets. And when you look at it, you can sense and you can tell and you can discern that it's just pure evil. And where's the church? Where have you been? Each of us, what are we doing? We're so intimidated to live our lives out, but we allow hell to run amok. We sit idly by in our lives, at our jobs, on social media, saying nothing. And I keep asking you over these past weeks, whose life have you impacted with the gospel? And if you're not impacting anyone's lives, then I'm not quite sure what you're doing. I'm not quite sure how you're living and how you can consider yourself a Christian if you're just sitting idly by and not recognizing the hour is urgent. The church is being flooded with craziness. And we're just going along. No, we've got to stand up. My heart broke when I watched this video. I began to pray for these people. Oh, God, have mercy upon them. Open their eyes, God. Save them, Lord. The hour is so dark, you all. And it's only going to get darker. But the church has to become brighter. We have to burn brighter. In verse 5, but you should keep a clear mind in every situation. Don't be afraid of suffering for the Lord. Work at telling others the good news and fully carry out the ministry God has given you. And it's the theme this morning. If you're not understanding as we're reading through this scripture, as you are living for Christ, you are going to suffer in this generation. As you live for Christ, now is the time that you will begin to suffer. You may lose your job. You may lose your home. You may lose everything that you're comfortable with, that you've identified with. You may lose relationships. You may be rejected by family, by friends. But you will not lose Christ. You will not lose the fellowship with the brethren, with the the other members of Christ's body. Oh, how the church has to wake up. 
he goes on and concludes and says, As for me, my life has already been poured out as an offering to God. The time of my death is near. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. And I have remained faithful. And now the prize awaits me. The crown of righteousness which the Lord, the righteous judge, will give me on the day of His return. And the prize is not just for me, but for all who eagerly look forward to His appearing. Are you eagerly looking forward to the return of Christ? Are you remaining faithful? Can you have the confidence as Paul has to declare that I have fought a good fight, I have finished the race, I have remained faithful? This is the call of a Christian to live for Christ. Go to Deuteronomy chapter 18 through 20 is what we're walking through today. Deuteronomy chapter 18 through 20. Again, God is preparing His people to enter into the promised land. To the land in which He had made a covenant with with their forefathers. And God is faithful to what God has planned and purposed. God will accomplish what He has set in place. And we see it all throughout Scripture that God is good and that God is great and that there's no other God like Him. And oh, how the people of God should be worshiping Him and growing and understanding that what they plant, they harvest back upon themselves. He's warning the Israelites, do not get caught up with the other nations. You are my people. You are set apart for my purpose. Worship me. Honor me. And he warns them. This is what the other nations are doing. This is how they are living. This is how they are worshiping. Do not be deceived by them. In fact, when I give you their land, destroy them. And destroy their places of worship. He knew and he understands the rebellion in each of us. That's why as Christians, we cannot look like the world. We can't just give in to every desire that is within us. We can't just give in to how we want to worship and how we want this to be. No, we've got to be people who accept Christ for who He is, the risen Savior. The great love of God that was displayed on the cross to redeem mankind from a lost world, from a darkened world. And to give mankind a hope for a future, for eternity with the living God. His kingdom come. His will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And God's purpose from the beginning was the cross. That's the only way rebellious men and rebellious women can be reconciled back to God. There had to be a payment for the rebellion. God is a just God. 
He's a righteous God. He's a holy God. And he knew the payment would be himself. Come on, can we just wake up to that? You see, as created beings, every single one of us that is born, we are born in sin and we are born in rebellion to God. We hate God. We don't want to live for God. No, you're not God. I'm God. I'm going to live how I want. I'm going to give in to my desires. I'm going to be me and I'm going to do me. And God says, but that is going to destroy you. (laughs) That is going to lead you to an eternal destruction. See, I love you so much that I understand your condition. And I understand that the only way that you can find freedom is for me to come and lay my life down. To express my love to you. That's what I keep saying. Why in our right mind would we deny his love in order to receive his wrath? Because we just want to live for ourselves. Listen, there's nothing in this temporal world. No relationship, no desire, no nothing. I was counseling a man the other day and we were talking about sin and he has a problem with pornography. And we were talking about how destructive pornography is. And how it just gives you just a a few moments of satisfaction. And then afterwards, every man, every woman I've ever talked to or counseled that's had this problem, it's the same thing. And the moment you have this this dissatisfaction, but in the end, all of a sudden, you have this weight of condemnation and guilt. Like you just go, ugh, I just feel dirty. But yet I want more. (laughs) Yet I want more. I was talking to a guy a couple of weekends ago. And he was being seduced by a woman that he was talking to. And she was encouraging him to come to the swingers house that her and her boyfriend go to. And the hundreds of people that are in this home just giving themselves into their sexual appetite. And he said, Rob, but I kept hearing your voice in my head. Nothing good is going to come from it. It may satisfy for a moment, but it's just going to lead me into destruction. Oh, come on, we got to wake up. We got to wake up. God so loved us. God so loved us that He came and took our punishment. No one is going to love you like that. There's not going to be anyone in this world that's going to love you like that. And not only did he take your punishment, not only was he brutally beaten and every ounce of blood poured from him and he suffered a violent death. But don't forget, he rose on the third day. He's victorious over those desires that are within you. Because the Bible says, where does sin come from? From the desires that are from within. From that rebellious nature that you were born into. See, you don't have to teach a baby to be selfish. It just comes natural. We grow in it. 
We give ourselves to it by the culture and everything around us. It feeds this rebellion towards God. And yet God knew all of this, and yet God came to set the captives free. For those who would turn to Him and say, God, I am a sinner. (laughs) I need a Savior. I recognize, God, my rebellious ways. And God, I'm sorry. I receive what you've done for me, Lord. What you did at the cross for me, through your resurrection, I could be born again. And that's what's so key to the concept and the understanding of what Jesus says. You must be born again. Because when I and you are born again, we now receive a new nature. We now receive the Holy Spirit within us. And then all of a sudden, our lives begin to change. Little by little by little by little, there is a change. That which which used to pull us and lure us in the world, we're like, yeah, no, that doesn't satisfy me anymore. No, I don't have to go that way. And I know that as I live for God in this world, that the world's going to hate me. That I'm going to suffer because now I'm the enemy. The world looks as Christians as the enemy. Because we have a message of freedom. You don't have to stay bound. You don't have to remain a liar, a thief. You don't have to keep gossiping and backbiting and slandering. You don't have to be filled with greed and with lust. No, there's a way out. There's hope. His name is Jesus. And so as it was for the Israelites, so it is for the church. We cannot get entangled with the world. We've got to know who we are. In order to know who we are, we have to know who He is. And that's why God is so gracious and so kind to reveal Himself to us, to remind us, listen, I'm God. I'm God. Follow me. And for eternity, for what's ahead for Christians, you all, nothing can compare to it. So please don't settle for what this world has. And that's what God is showing the Israelites. Remember, as you read the Old Testament, look for Jesus. Because all of that had to happen to prepare the moment of time in history when the birth of Jesus happened. And not only his birth, but his ministry. And not only his ministry, his crucifixion. And not only the crucifixion, but the resurrection. That then births the church on the earth. Men, women, children filled with the Holy Spirit. Spreading throughout the earth. Telling others the good news of Jesus. And for all these thousands of years, the world has been impacted with the gospel. And the governments and people have tried to silence the church. To keep the good news from going forth. Why? Because they like the rebellion. We're God. And that's why when you read the book of Revelation, when everything is going chaotic on this earth, 
when God is doing everything to reveal himself to mankind. So many people are scared of revelation. Don't be afraid of the book of Revelation. No, find out how beautiful it is. There is such love being displayed that even up to the end, God is saying to his creation, I am God. I am love. I love you. And they are going to turn back. Praise God, not everyone. But the created is going to turn back and they're going to hold up their fist and they're going to say, no, you're not God. And God is going to turn them over to what they want. He's a just God. And that's why when you hear people talk about God, the first thing they want to do is put God down. The first thing they want to do is drag you back to the Old Testament and try to paint God out to be this horrible God. How could God, a loving God, do that? And like I've always said, you should be able to say to them, how can a loving God not do it? Because he's a just God. He's a good God. If he didn't pour out justice and wrath, then he would cease to be God. Oh, we got to know who he is. So now God is setting up this understanding of the judges and the kings and the priests that are going to kind of live and kind of direct the Israelites, because remember, Moses is dying. He's not going into the promised land. He was already told. But God is using him to prepare. And so let's look at how they were prepared today. Remember that the Levitical priests, that is, the whole of the tribe of Levi, were received no allotment of land among the other tribes in Israel. Instead, the priests and Levites will eat from the special gift given to the Lord, for that is their share. They will have no land of their own among the Israelites. The Lord himself is their special possession, just as he promised them. These are the parts that, I'm sorry, these are the parts the priests may claim as their share from the cattle, sheep, and goats that people bring as offerings, the shoulder, the cheeks, and the stomach. You must also give to the priest the first share of the grain, the new wine, the olive oil, and the wool at shearing time. For the Lord your God chose the tribe of Levi out of all your tribes to minister in the Lord's name forever. Suppose the Levite chooses to remove, I'm sorry, chooses to move from his town in Israel, whether he is wherever he is living, to the place the Lord chooses for worship. He may minister there in the name of the Lord his God just like all his fellow Levites who are serving the Lord there. He may eat his share of the sacrifices and offerings, even if he also receives support from his family. When you enter the land the Lord your God has given you, listen to this, be very careful not to imitate the detestable customs of the nations living there. For example, never sacrifice your son or daughter as a burnt offering. And do not let your people practice fortune-telling or use sorcery or interpret omens or engage in witchcraft or cast spells or functions as mediums or psychics or call, or, or, or call forth the spirits of the dead. Anyone who does these things is detestable to the Lord. 
is because the other nations have done these detestable things that the Lord your God will drive them out ahead of you. But you must be blameless before the Lord your God. The nations you are about to displace consult sorcerers, sorcerers and fortune tellers, but the Lord your God forbids you to do such things. Oh, that we would wake up to this understanding. Oh, that we would wake up to this truth. And yet we find ourselves today struggling in the church to what to do with psychics, with fortune telling, with horoscopes. We're not to have anything to do with it, you all. Just as it was then, so it is now. We don't consult the dead for guidance. Not when we have the living God. We don't go and read the stars and horoscopes. No, not when we have the living God. These things are useless to Christians. Listen, before I was a Christian, I was a practicing everything. But at the moment when Christ began to reveal himself to me, I was a practicing psychic. I did tarot cards. I went into trances. I did readings for people. I was consulting psychics. I had a spiritual guide. I was to go to Tibet. That's where she wanted to send me. I was involved in all this craziness. It was real. (laughs) It felt right. (laughs) But yet... It cannot and will not ever compare to the power of God. God's wisdom, God's knowledge, and God's understanding, nothing can compare to it. And God knew that these people will try to pervert His people. That His people will look and see what they're doing. And that they would give way. So much so that they would sacrifice their children on the altar of the other nation's goddess. Burning them alive. Because this is not just what we want to do. What are we? Insane. And you say, well, that's not going on now. Oh, in the occult, children are dying. Not only are the majority of the children that are kidnapped taken into the sex slave industry, a lot of them are kidnapped and taken for sacrifices. The occult is nothing to play around with. And it's nothing to dismiss as if it's, oh, oh, that's just phony malarkey. No, no. These people are deceived, blinded by Satan, caught up in their worship draining the blood of infants and drinking it and discarding the bodies this is the life of the occult and where's the church where have we been throughout the years in our nation because it's happening in our nation This is nothing new. Everything we're reading, there's nothing new under the sun. And God is warning his people. Have nothing to do with them. 
Moses continued, The Lord your God will raise up for you a prophet like me from among your fellow Israelites. You must listen to him, for this is what you yourselves requested of the Lord your God. When you assembled at Mount Sinai, you said, Don't let us hear from the voice of the Lord our God anymore, or see the blazing fire, for we will die. Then the Lord said to me, What they have said is right. I will raise up a prophet like you from among their fellow Israelites. I will put my words in his mouth, and he will tell the people everything I command him. I will personally deal with anyone who will not listen to the messages of the prophet proclaims on my behalf. But any prophet who falsely claims to speak in my name or who speaks in the name of another God must die. But you may wonder, how will we know whether or not a prophecy is from the Lord? If the prophet speaks in the Lord's name, but his prediction does not happen or come true, you will know that the Lord did not give that message. That prophet has spoken without my authority and need not be feared. God was telling his people, Moses was not going with him, but God will raise up a prophet. God will raise up prophets throughout Israel to declare the word of the Lord, to remind them of who their God is. And do you remember what we read just a little bit ago in Timothy? About people being led astray in the church age because of false teachers? Remember how people are seeking the new teachings in the church, just being led astray? They don't even, they're not even saved. They think they're right with God, but they're not. They're just being led astray. They're, they're deceived. They only want to hear what they want to hear. Oh, I'm going to come to church, but I want to hear the pastor tell me something good about me and tell me how my life is going to be better. But if he starts talking about how I'm to live a godly life, how I'm to suffer, shut him up. Throw him out of the church. This is what's happening in our generation. And God was telling them here as he tells us now, listen, listen, not everybody who's going to rise up speaks for me. They're going to try to lead you astray. You will know them by their fruit. It's the words that they're declaring coming to pass. Listen, Israel, you know what they did to, to the true prophets? They killed them. They were so uncomfortable hearing and being reminded about God and his wrath and his love, they killed the prophets. We don't want to hear from them. Give us the prophets that tell us everything else, but kill the ones who tell the truth. Oh, come on, we got to wake up. There's nothing new under the sun, you all. Cities of refuge. When the Lord your God destroys the nations who land he has given you, you will take over their land and settle in their towns and homes. Then you must set apart three cities of refuge in the land the Lord your God is giving you. Survey the territory and divide the land the Lord your God is giving you into three districts with one of these cities in each district. Then anyone who has killed someone can flee to one of the cities of refuge for safety. If someone kills another person unintentionally without previously, a previous hostility, the slayer may flee to any of these cities to live in safety. For example, suppose someone goes into the forest with a neighbor to cut wood. 
And suppose one of them swings an axe to chop down the tree and the axe head flies off the handle and kills the other person. In such case, the slayer may flee to one of the cities of refuge to live in safety. If the, if the distance to the nearest city of refuge is too far, an enraged avenger might be able to chase down and kill the person who has caused the death. Then, that, then the slayer would die unfairly since he had never shown hostility towards the person who died. That is why I'm commanding you to set aside three cities of refuge. And if the Lord your God enlarges your territory as he swore to your ancestors and gives you all the land he promises them, you must designate three additional cities of refuge. He will give you this land if you are careful to obey all the commands I have given you. If you, always, if you will always love the Lord your God and walk in his ways. That way you will prevent the death of innocent people in the land. The Lord your God is giving you as your special possession. You will not be held responsible for the death of innocent people. But suppose someone is hostile toward a neighbor and deliberately ambushes and murders him and then flees to one of the cities of refuge. In that case, the elders of the murderer's hometown must send agents to the city of refuge to bring him back and hand him over to the dead person's avenger to be put to death. Do not feel sorry for that murderer. Purge from Israel the guilt of murdering innocent people. Then all will go well with you. This is God, you all. When you arrive in the land the Lord your God is giving you as your special possession, you must never steal anyone's land by moving the boundary mark your ancestors set up to mark their property. You must not convict anyone of a crime on the testimony of only one witness. The facts of the case must be established by the testimony of two or three witnesses. If a malicious witness comes forth and accuses someone of a crime, then both the accuser and the accused must, be, must, must appear before the Lord by coming to the priests and judges in office at that time. The judges must investigate the case thoroughly. If the accuser has brought false charges against his fellow Israelite, you must impose on that accuser the sentence he intended for the other person. In this way, you will purge such evil from among you. Then the rest of the people will hear about it and be afraid to do such an evil thing. You must show no pity for the guilty. Your rule should be life for life, eye for eye, tooth for tooth, hand for hand, foot for foot. God is an honorable God, a just God. A God who hates sin and a God who hates death. But he's a just God. And he wants to ensure that all that is evil is purged from among his people. And he's setting up these boundaries. And yet as he's setting up these boundaries for them, he knows they won't keep it. He knows they won't keep it. And you say, but then why does he do it? Because remember what his purpose is, the cross. The Messiah is to come. Remember back in Genesis when Adam and Eve sinned. God spoke and said to the serpent, there's going to come one who's going to crush your head. You see, that's when Jesus was prophetically spoken out in the garden. God's plan was revealed. Oh, there's going to come one from her seed. 
who's going to destroy you. Oh, come on, you all. God is faithful. Chapter 20. When you go out to fight your enemies and you face horses and chariots and a greater, I'm sorry, an army greater than your own, do not be afraid. The Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt is with you. When you prepare for battle, the priest must come forward to speak to the troops. He will say to them, listen to me, all you men of Israel, do not be afraid as you go out to fight your enemies today. Do not lose heart or panic or tremble before them. For the Lord your God is going with you. He will fight for you against your enemies and he will give you victory. As he spoke it then, so he speaks it to the church today. We're not to be afraid to talk about Jesus. We're not to be afraid to share the good news of the gospel because Christ's victory is with us. And for thousands of generations, the victory of God has been displayed throughout the generations through His people. When I think about Christians who are being persecuted, when I think about the time when Rome was persecuting Christians, and they used to tie Christians up to posts, throughout the city and then light them on fire at night as people strolled through the city. When I think about how Rome used to take them in to the, to the Colosseum and the people of Rome began to cheer as the Christians were led out in the middle and the lions were released on them to devour them and the people cheered that the Christians were dying. And yet the gospel keeps being spread throughout the earth. When I think about what's happening over in China today, in, a, in all these closed countries, when I see what's happening to the church in America, listen, God's truth and God's ways, is are, they will never be stamped out on this earth. No matter how much government and people try to stop the spread of the gospel, God's people must remember God is for us. He's not against us. He is with us. He will give us the victory. And you say, but we're dying. And I say to you, don't you dare be afraid of death. You're just walking through this life. This is a good life. Even in the midst of suffering, it is still good. Because we're just transitioning into truly what we were meant for, eternity. Oh, you were never meant and created for, to be temporal. You're created for eternity, you all. That's why every single one of us, even though we are born with the nature of rebellion, we are born with a desire to be connected to the Creator. Amen. And why do you think there's so many different religions on the face of the earth? Because Satan knows that. And so he tries to pervert us to worship these false gods that always leaves the people empty. So if you ever study other religions, they're always trying to ascend, to get up higher and higher. Christianity is the only one that the God of the Christian faith says, you stop trying, I'm coming down, and I'm going to do it for you. I'm going to love you. 
So you come and you serve me because ultimately that's what you were created for. You were created for eternity with me. So live for me now. Be an expression of my love while you have life in your body. And know that I am victorious and that I am with you. I will never leave you nor will I ever forsake you. You will be victorious because I'm victorious. Oh, the people of God should get excited. So we're not cowering down, shaking in our boots. We're not afraid of death. That's why we can be bold. You want to tie us up and burn us on the lamppost? That's not going to silence us. We're going to talk about Jesus. When I see what the Muslims are doing to Christians, when they force them down and they chop off their heads, those guys that are kneeling down ready to face death, when you look at their face, they have such peace. That doesn't make sense in the natural. When I hear about the torment that the persecutors are doing to the Christians in prison, and yet the prisoners, the Christians, look at their guards and the people who are beating them and just tell them about the gospel. You see, we live a different life. Because we've come to an understanding, this world is not our home. But we care enough about you to tell you about the one who came to deliver you from this world. Oh, this is great news, you all. And so the priest goes before the army and he reminds them, this is your God. Then the officials, verse 5, of the army must address the troops and say, has anyone here just built a new house but not yet dedicated it? If so, you may go home. You, may, you might be killed in the battle and someone else would dedicate your house. Has anyone here just planted a vineyard but not yet eaten any of its fruit? If so, you must go home. You might die in battle and someone else would eat the first fruit. Has anyone here just been engaged to a woman but not yet married? Well, you may go home and get married. You might die in battle and someone else would marry her. Then the officials will say, Is anyone here afraid or worried? If you are, you may go home before you frighten anyone else. When the officers have finished speaking to the troops, they will appoint the unit commanders. As you approach the town to attack it, you must first offer its people terms of peace. If they accept your terms and open the gates to you, then, then all the people inside will serve you in forced labor. But if they refuse to make peace and prepare to fight, you must attack the town. When the Lord your God hands the town over to you, use your swords to kill every man in that town. But you may keep for yourself all the women, children, livestock, and other plunder. You may enjoy the plunder from the, your enemies that the Lord your God has given you. But these instructions only apply to distant towns, not to the towns of the nations and the land you will enter. And those towns that the Lord your God is giving you a special possession destroy every living thing. You must completely destroy the Hivites, Amorites, the Canaanites, the Pezzarites, the Hivites, and the Jebusites, just as the Lord your God has commanded you. This will prevent, listen to this, the people of the land from teaching you to imitate their detestable customs and the worship of their gods, which could cause you to sin deeply against the Lord your God. 
When you are attacking in a town and the war drags on, you must not cut down the trees with your axes. You may eat the fruit, but do not cut down the trees. Are the trees your enemies that you should attack them? You may only cut down trees that you know are not valuable for food. Use them to make the equipment you need to attack the enemy's town until it falls. This is God, you all. Preparing his people. Strengthening his people. And moving his people forward. Go to Luke chapter 9, verse 28 through 30. Luke chapter 9, verse 28 through 30. About 28 days after Jesus took Peter, John, and James up on a mountain to pray, and as he was praying, the appearance of his face transformed, and his clothes became dazzling white. Suddenly, two men, Moses and Elijah, appeared and began talking to Jesus. They were glorified, glorious to see, and they were speaking about his exodus from this world, which was about to be fulfilled in Jerusalem. Peter and the others had fallen asleep. When they woke up, they saw Jesus' glory and the two men standing with him. As Moses and Elijah were starting to leave, Peter, not even knowing what he was saying, blurted out, Master, it is wonderful for us to be here. Let's make these shelters as memorials, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. But even as he was saying this, a cloud overshadowed them, and terror gripped them as the cloud covered them. Then a voice from the cloud said, This is my son, my chosen one. Listen to him. When the voice finished, Jesus was there alone. They didn't tell anyone at that time what they had seen. What an amazing opportunities these disciples had. And did you see what Jesus was discussing with Moses and Elijah and their glorified bodies? (laughs) They were speaking about Jesus' exodus from this world, which was about to be fulfilled in Jerusalem. Oh my goodness, come on you all. And yet again, here we see this confirmation that God the Father speaks and announces over the life of Christ. This is my son, my chosen one. Listen to him. The next day after they had come down the mountain, a large crowd met Jesus. A man in the crowd called out to him, Teacher, I beg you to look at my son, my only child. An evil spirit keeps seizing him, making him scream. It throws him into convulsions so that he foams at the mouth. It batters him and hardly ever leaves him alone. I begged your disciples to cast out the spirit, but they couldn't do it. And then Jesus said, You faithless and corrupt people. How long must I be with you and put up with you? Then he said to the man, Bring your son here. As the boy came forward, the demon knocked him to the ground and threw him into a violent convulsion. But Jesus rebuked the evil spirit and healed the boy. Then he gave him back to his father. All gripped the people as they saw this majestic display of God's power. While everyone was marveling at everything he was doing, Jesus said to his disciple, Listen to me, and remember what I say. The Son of Man is going to be betrayed into the hands of his enemies. But they didn't know what he meant. 
Its significance was hidden from them, so they couldn't understand it, and they were afraid to ask him about it. Jesus was just talking to Moses and Elijah about his exodus from this world. He then goes down the mountain, and now he's confronted with what his disciples weren't able to do in his name. He heals the boy, and then he turns directly to his disciples and tells them, This is what is to happen to me. And yet it is still hidden from them. Then his disciples began arguing about which of them was the greatest. But Jesus knew their thoughts, and so he brought a little child to his side. Then he said to them, Anyone who welcomes a little child like this on my behalf welcomes me. And anyone who welcomes me also welcomes my Father who sent me. Whoever is the least among you is the greatest. And John said to Jesus, Master, we saw someone using your name to cast out demons, but we told him to stop because he isn't in our group. But Jesus said, don't stop him. Anyone who is not against you is for you. Come on, you all. This is Jesus. This is Jesus, you all. Revealing to his disciples and those that are following who he is. Yes, he did miracles. Yes, he cast out demons. Yes, he provided them provision. But ultimately, he did not come just to meet their temporal needs. No, he came to take their punishment. To die for them. So that on the third day, he would be raised to life to free them. Oh, this is the great news. This is the great news of the gospel, you all. And I love the fact he tells them as they're kind of carrying on this concept of wisdom from heaven that, no, 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 no. Don't be so puffed up and prideful and arrogant. No. My followers are to humble themselves. And the greatest in my kingdom are those who truly serve. See, the world doesn't think that way. The world is striving for themselves. But remember, the principles of the kingdom of God and the principles of this world, they clash because they're not the same. You want to be great in the kingdom of God? Then lower yourself. Be a humbled servant because that's what God himself did. He humbled himself as Christ and came to serve mankind. And then I love the fact that he tells his disciples, listen, do not make this a little click. Because they're like, oh, they're not, he's not with us. So we told him to stop. And Jesus is like, oh, no, 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 no. It's not all about just your click. It's about my kingdom. Come on, you all. Go to Psalm 73. Wrapping up. Psalm 73. Psalm 73, oh, that we would know our God. (laughs) Truly, God is good to Israel, to those whose hearts are pure. But as for me, I almost lost my footing. My feet were slipping, and I was almost gone. Listen to what the psalmist just wrote. 
He knows that God is good, but there was a time in his life where he was almost questioning God. His feet were slipping. He was almost gone. He was almost going to be caught up with the ways of the world. And the first three tells us why. Listen to this, because it happens to all of us. For I envied the proud when I saw them prosper despite their wickedness. They seem to live such painless lives. Their bodies are so healthy and strong. They don't have troubles like all the other people. They're not plagued with problems like everyone else. They wear pride like a jeweled necklace and clothe themselves with cruelty. These fat cats have everything their hearts could never could ever wish for. They scoff and speak only evil. In their pride, they seek to crush others. They boast against the very heavens, and their words strut throughout the earth. And so the people are dismayed and confused, drinking all of their words. What does God know, they say? Does the Most High even know what's happening? Look at these wicked people enjoying a life of ease while their riches multiply. Come on. I love again how the psalmists are very honest and transparent. Yes, I know that God is good. But wait a minute. My eyes are so fixed on the wicked. They're prospering. They have a good life. Their bodies are strong. They seem never to be sick. They have everything they ever wanted. Look at what they're gathering. They're happy and I'm suffering. (laughs) Oh, Christian, don't you dare fix your eyes on the temporalness. That's how it's been the whole time mankind has been on the earth. The wicked have prospered. Do not forsake God for something temporal. Look what happens to the psalmist. Verse 13. Did I keep my heart pure for nothing? Have I followed you for nothing, God? Because look at my life. Did I keep myself innocent for no reason? I get nothing but trouble all day long. Every morning brings me pain. If I, had, if I had really spoken this way to others, I would have been a traitor to your people. So I tried to understand why the wicked prosper. But what a difficult task it is. Then I went into your sanctuary, O oh God, and I finally understood the destiny of the wicked. Oh, you're getting caught up? on what's going on out there, it looks a lot better, come to church and be reminded of their destiny. Be reminded of who God is, how great He is. Careful what you give your ear towards and what your eyes towards. Don't look at the world and be caught up and envy them. Oh, I want that. Oh, I want that. I want to be like them. I want to be like them. I want to be able to do that. (laughs) There's this... I posted him a couple of times. I think he's a football player. I don't think he's a basketball player. But anyways, he's this athlete. But his faith is so strong. 
And I understand. I can't even imagine. Let me back up. I understand his passion for Jesus. But I'm so moved by him because he's so bold. He doesn't have to be. He does not have to share his faith. He does not have to sit down and have Bible studies with his followers on social media. But he speaks such truth. And I say, God, I pray for him. I say, God, just keep protecting him. Because he has to go right back in and be around all these others who are swayed by the world. And yet he comes and God has gifted him with this talent. And yet he's being bold. He's being bold to live out his faith. Even the baseball player the other day who refused to take a knee to bow. And he says, I cannot bow in agreement with an organization that is godless. Because I'm a Christian. And he is being attacked. There's businessmen and women. There are Christians who are prospering in different segments of society. And they will not bow or give in to the world. Or to to the lure of deception of Satan. Because they remember... As the psalmist remembered, what's in store for those who aren't in Christ. Verse 18. Truly, you put them on a slippery path and send them sliding over the cliff to destruction. In an instant, they are destroyed, completely swept away by terrors. When you arise, O Lord, you will laugh at their silly ideals and as people laugh at dreams in the morning. Then I realized my heart was bitter and I was all torn up inside. I was so foolish and ignorant. I must have seemed like a senseless animal to you. Yet I still belong to you. Oh, look at this picture. You hold my right hand. God, I strayed. I must have looked like a senseless animal to you. But yet, I belong to you. You hold my right hand. You guide me with your counsel, leading me to a glorious destiny. Whom whom have I in heaven but you? I desire you more than anything on earth. My health may fail. My spirit may grow weak. Come on, you all. But God remains the strength of my heart. He is mine forever. Those who desert Him will perish. For you destroy those who abandon you. But as for me, how good it is to be near God. I have made the Sovereign Lord my shelter. And I will tell everyone about the wonderful things you do. This psalmist is so real and so transparent. He knows his God. Oh, how I pray that you know who God is. Final scripture, Proverbs 12, verse 10. One little nugget of wisdom. Proverbs 12, verse 10. The godly care for their animals. But the wicked are always cruel. Uh, One little statement of wisdom. The godly cares for animals. The ways of the wicked 
are always Amen. Amen. Alright, let's worship our God because He is a great God. He is a good God. And then I'll close this in prayer. Bye.